What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another new episode of Behind the Scene Podcast. We are your favorite NCOs, nerd culture observers. I am your co-host. My name is Dion Donovan. I write and create my own comics featuring titles such as Tales of Florida and the United States Dino Force. Y'all can catch me on Facebook and Instagram at Title Page Comics. And this is my co-host. Yes, yes, yes. This is Uncle Jack 328. Follow me on Twitter at UncleJack328, first name Colby, last name Jackson. I am your co-host on the Behind the Scene Podcast. Please like, share, subscribe. We are on Anchor, Spotify, as well as YouTube, and more to follow. Please, 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 please join the movement. Y'all grab a drink. Y'all chill out. Enjoy the show. Indeed. Discussion. So, yeah, when we when we did our discussion on the X-Men being stuck in the adventure shadow uh yep. this time period a lot of the x-men fans uh agreed on that on what we were saying and, and some of them brought up an interesting point where outside of the outside of the films outside of the movies what do the avengers actually have you know what i'm saying outside outside of film now film is a, a powerful medium it is pretty much the most accessible and shareable uh, medium out there for, for the masses. So right. they nailed they they nailed the number one thing they could nail. You know what I'm saying? But outside of films, what do the Avengers really have in terms of a legacy? In terms of overall quality, I guess um, is what I'm okay. asking. Okay. Um. I mean, the simple answer, the very simplest answer that I could give is that outside of film everybody knows at least one superhero now. Mm-hmm. There's Being a fan of superheroes and all of that stuff is no longer limited to a pocket pocketed group of people. Not only is it big business but it's big conversation now Hmm. my mom is a fan of thor Uh, okay my 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 mom is a fan of thor my brother likes iron man (laughs) you see what i'm saying (laughs) right Uh, right like my nephew i'm not sure who my nephew likes black panther um you see what i mean Hmm. it's a little bit different now you could go to the gym you go to the gym to hit a set real quick or get in a workout, you'll see somebody in there with a t-shirt with a Captain America shield on the, on the front of it. Facts. Um, you go to Best Buy, you go to GameStop, you go somewhere like that, the merchandise is on the shelf. So outside of film, that property took being into superheroes and comic books and stuff like that I'm not going to say it made it acceptable because, I mean, at the end of the day, that would be a little bit overstepping of my boundaries to say, oh, they made it acceptable. Like, acceptable is a subjective term anyway, but Mm -hmm. it made it to where it's on everybody's mind. It's in everybody's lexicon. It's, It's right there for everybody. Anybody and everybody can have a conversation now about superheroes even if you don't know much about it. It made it accessible on a different level. And it also kind of exposed some things as well, too, though. 
because you can be a fan of the Avengers without being a fan of comic books. Yeah, that's that's a real thing. What percentage of people who go to these superhero films actually read the source material? It's actually right. very low. Yeah, and and and, 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 and the, the other part of that too, though, is that that doesn't matter. Right. Because if the movies weren't any good, then yeah, you could say that the the hardcores, the people who are actually into it on a deeper level would be alienated, but they're not. Mm-hmm. No, they're not alienated because the movies actually were, were pretty damn good. But at the same time, it was an introduction for a lot of people who might not have been fans of it before. Like, the only comparison, and I thought about this the other day, the comparison that I'll make with what the Avengers did in film in terms of quality and continued success would be mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Hmm. The only difference is that Lord of the Rings did it on a quicker time period. Lord of the Rings did it three years in a row. Right. So where when the first one came out, people who might not have been into uh, the Middle Earth, magical, hero's journey type of storytelling might not have been into it by the time the first one came out. But when the third one came out, everyone was on the same page. True, true. That was a, definitely a landmark, uh, yeah, fantasy uh, franchise, pub culture. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones in terms of yeah. pub culture status. Exactly. Accessibility, right. I mean, I've only read The Hobbit. I never read any of the Lord of the Rings books. But same. my cousin, my cousin, like, that's one of his favorite movies, and he's never read a single book. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. my brother, my brother was in high school, him and his girlfriend, you know what I mean? That was movie night for them a couple times. Put on mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings on DVD and we chilling for the night. Right. So right. on some level, even though and I don't want to make the comparison, but the difference is Lord of the Rings just did it on a quicker turnaround. There wasn't a lot of merchandising and stuff like that that came along with it because it was based on a book and not a comic book series. It wasn't profitable in the way of merchandising the same way that the Avengers and the MCU are. Now, transitioning back to what you were saying, the legacy and impact is that right there. Big conversation, big merchandising, uh, quotables. It's on everybody's mind now to where you can't avoid it. Yeah, man. I, um... I think what you're saying, it, re- it elevated, the, I mean, the superhero genre was already there, but it really made it accessible to, in the pop culture stratosphere, it's like number one. Yep. Um, my without mom, yeah, without a doubt, man, my mom, like, we watch the Batman films, my mom will not watch, like, The Dark Knight, you know what I'm saying? She's not going to watch Batman Begins, but mm-hmm. you throw on Iron Man, she's going to take a look at it. You know yep. what I'm saying? Um, she's not gonna. She she never. She watched Dark Knight. That's the only Batman film she watched in theaters. She watched all of the Iron Man films in theaters. She watched Endgame. She watched those films. I mean, hell, she even when Tony Stark died. She's not a comic book fan. You know, Tony Stark died in films. She actually some tears were actually shed uh, when Tony mm-hmm. Stark died. That's how much of emotional pull these films and these characters had. Just you know, on people in general. Who are not just just the mass population like connected to these 
heroes that they took a 10-year journey on plus with. And so, you know, I'm saying, like, you like you said, it made it accessible to where your average person who might not check out Batman or might not check out Superman, they're going to see Iron Man. You know what I'm saying? It really made it more so that more people can get in tune or can rock with the superhero genre than ever before. So now it's right. almost kind of weirder if you're not into them at all. Like, at least not even on a film. Because they hit it. They really hit the nail and checked off every single checkbox out there in terms of demographic. There's there's a character that appeals to everybody. I mean, Fat Thor and Endgame just, like, through the roof was so relatable to so many people that, sure, from a storyline point of view, I've had this conversation before, through a storyline point of view, did it make sense for an Asgardian to gain weight uh, in less than 10 years of a trauma? No, but it was worth it in the end result because it was so relatable to so much, to so much, uh, so many people that the culture impact that Fat Thor has made was worth the 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 canon being kind of broken or the yeah, the science I mean, of it being broken you know because yeah, that's not important like right the, th- the thing that that really exposed outside of film is that that's not important that part of mm-hmm. it isn't important the reason why some of this stuff doesn't always work the reason and it's not it's not that there's a lack of effort is that the effort was put into a different that energy was put in a different direction. Mm, non-essential. If you try too hard, if you try too hard to make everything follow along a strict continuity and everything like that, it never works the same as when you put the energy somewhere else. Because I haven't seen every MCU movie. I haven't seen all of them. I went back and watched a couple of them for damn sure. Like, I went back and watched Ant-Man and the second Ant-Man, but that was after I'd already seen Civil War. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's not that they're playing fast and loose with it. The focus is that they want the characters to mean something when you see them. So where even if you haven't seen them on their own, they give you something to where you want to go back and see them on their own. Like yeah. I knew. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. That's not the <laughs> conversation. But yeah, outside of film, it also infected with other. I said infected. I meant to say affected what other studios were trying to do. Um, prime example: what Universal Studios had attempted and failed miserably to do with their monster movie was, was all based off of a template that they thought was going to be able to work. Like, and the thing is, nobody cared to see The Mummy being remade in the first place. And then when you try to incorporate The Mummy with Dr., uh, with Mr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde and all of this other stuff, it doesn't work because it doesn't hit the same. We know, we know what it is. We know what you're trying to do because we've seen it done better. Right, right, right. Shared cinematic universes are just now the industry standard. Like, right, yeah. And, and and I mean, I got I got my own feelings about that. Like, it doesn't. That's not always something 
that, that I feel needs to be necessary. And um, there are certain movies that I do enjoy as a one-off. I do enjoy seeing a movie as a one-off and then be able to go back to it and enjoy it for what it was. But the shared cinematic universes are damn near mandatory now. <laughs> yeah, it's like an industry man. It's like a mandate between any okay. production company. I, I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better. We'll, we'll take it outside of film. We'll talk about TV, television. Mm-hmm. Even with television now, some of that has been incorporated. Now, crossovers with television have been around forever. Right. Always been around. It's been around forever. But even with TV series now, you're seeing some of that incorporated, right? The Walking Dead has been on season 10 for 10, 10 seasons. Um, Fear the Walking Dead initially was never supposed to cross over with The Walking Dead. That was never supposed to happen until it happened. <laughs> mm, right, um, right. With Morgan going over to the show. Yeah, right. It was, it was never supposed to happen until it happened. Um, there's a bunch of other examples. The Netflix version of the MCU was a crossover. Um, you know, all of this stuff blends into another thing based off of the success that the Avengers have and what they did with the movie. So yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I couldn't imagine, I never would have imagined that something like that would happen. But it's okay for somebody to be a quote-unquote casual as it relates to these things, because the hardcores are not alienated. There's nothing there to make the people who are day one fans of this feel like they're being overlooked. But at the same time, my mom can be a fan of Thor, even though she never heard of Thor until he was on screen live action. True, true. And in most of these cases, the hardcore, the day oneers, they feel like... You know, before it was like, you either go for the masses, or you go for the fans. You mm-hmm. go for the masses, you piss off the fans. You go for the fans, you don't. You basically don't get the masses, and right. that changed so much with the MCU, where both are so pleased because the product. And honestly, I mean, some people are not going to like this. Uh, I think the movies actually elevated the source material in some regards. Of I course. think. I think some of, the fat. right, right. I think the source material actually was outdone by film, and that's very rare. That's very rare for that to happen, where the movies did a better job than the book or the comic mm-hmm. book or et cetera or the play. But in terms of the MCU, I mean, let's keep it real. Iron Man was not that great of a character. He was, you know, what I'm saying in terms of cat, like, like. Thor, even himself, he was very kind of one note, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think the movies really uh, gave those characters and the actors, the movies and the actors really elevated those characters to now to a higher esteem. So now that it, it, it did the opposite, usually the movies will change with the comics, the comics change with the movies. Iron Man was starting to look like Robert Downey Jr. You know what I'm saying? Thor was taking on uh, some of the mannerisms of Chris Hemsworth. Falcon 
got more of a personality that was re- that was reflective of Anthony Mackie. So the source material was act. The, the movies were so good that the source material changed with the movie, and that's right. very rare for that to happen. Right, right. I, I agree with that. And the the issue that exactly what you touched on. The reason why it works out is that comic books inherently are convoluted. Inherently, they are convoluted because of continuity, because of retcons, all of the stuff right there, right? You cannot Mm -hmm. be a fan of comic books without knowing that they are convoluted and tend to go off the rails and off track from where they started. Right. Right? So, for example, you have a movie called Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, if you read the comic book series, you see Age of Ultron, oh shit, they got my money already. I'm going. I'm there. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The movie Age of Ultron and the actual story of Age of Ultron are not all that similar, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. It has the title, Age of Ultron. It has the character of Ultron, but it's inspired by it as opposed to being based on it. Right. You know, we have a movie called Captain America Civil War, but if you read the comic book line of Civil War and you watch the movie Civil War, it's not... Uh, movie that's based on it it's inspired by it it takes elements from it but it's telling a completely different story just using that name mm-hmm. and they did they did the best with what with what they had with the rosters like oh there's yep. no fantastic four there's no x-men it's like look fuck. you didn't re- you didn't need all that you didn't need fuck. all that. fuck yeah. it you know what i'm saying like you didn't need a hundred plus characters on one screen duking it out what they had was perfect for what it was the five on five or the six on six, it was more personal. It was more personal yep. between Cap and Iron Man, and it actually felt more like it was more real. Iron Man was kind of a fascist asshole in the comic, to tell you the truth. He leaned more on the villain side. What Robert Downey Jr. did in Civil War and what they did with him, they humanized that that counter argument a bit more. So there right. really was more in the comic, even though it's not intended. It, it feels more right on the on the Captain America side, on the anti-registration side, because they kind of gave villain aspects, a lot of villain aspects to the pro side, the con- the conservative side. Well, in the movie, they're both kind of even. You know what I'm saying? They're both kind of like right down. You could cut it re- really deep down the middle, and you can't go wrong on you know, on Iron Man or Cap side. So they yeah. really humanized that aspect to it. And they did a great job with that. Like you said, if you keep yourself handcuffed to continuity and canon and 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 accurateness to the to the source material, then you really yep. you, you could fuck yourself over yeah, in the long run. And you're gonna end up having a movie that's equally as convoluted as the source material, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. Oh man, I like this. I like this. But yeah. That's that's where I stand with that, man. It the accessibility is what helped. And mm-hmm. I mean, in the case of something like a Batman versus Superman, the reason why they fucked up 
Well, I mean, you can get into a lot of reasons there, but <laughs> okay. Yeah, but yeah. again, when you those movies clearly were sticking to uh, elements from Death of Superman and Dark Knight uh, Returns, clearly, mm-hmm. clearly. But by them sticking so hard and being committed to trying to do the fan service thing, but also the interconnected continuity thing and everything like that, it failed because it looked like they tried too hard. Mm. Definitely. And and making a good movie and telling a good story took a backseat to all of that other shit that they were trying to pile on top of. Right, right. Like, oh, this is shot for shot from Frank Miller's panel on page three. And this reference that, and that reference this, and there's a teaser for Martian Manhunter's name was this colonel. Hey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. It's, there's so much noise that you can't yep. really filter what what is what the movie is at its core. And both films, Civil War and Batman versus Superman, have similarities. They, I, they almost are almost the same at their core. Just one took a horribly misguided direction on that concept while the other really like, (laughs) Oh man, MCU is crazy. Oh, freaking. Oh man. Uh, that's another story, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Kevin Feige literally did civil war to spite Warner brothers. Batman versus Superman. And I mean, Hey, yeah, it it is what it is. It is what it is, man. Yeah. 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 Yep, that's 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 where we at on that, bro. Yeah, man, for sure, dude. I mean, I and some of the fans were like, they they had some they had some good counter arguments, but on a smaller scale. So like, okay, on print, what does the Avengers have over other franchises? Like, I, on the top of my head, I can only give you give you one. Avengers storyline that was on print that was like, you know, good. And I mean, Age of Ultron. That's the only one I can get you. Rather than X-Men, you have the Dark Phoenix Saga, you have Days of Future Past, you have you know, Apocalypse, Spider-Man, the death of Gwen Stacy, uh, Spider-Man No More. You know, you have different Fantastic Four. I mean, Doctor... You have other franchises that have better mm-hmm. stories on print, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Cartoon wise, I know they have recent cartoons with Disney, and I heard they're decent, but they don't they don't have anything on Spider Man the anime series. They don't have anything on Spectacular Spider Man. They don't have anything on the X Men animated series from the '90s or X Men Evolution or even Wolverine on the X Men. You know what I'm saying? So they're like outclassed on every minor detail, minor thing except the biggest one, right? <laughs> Which is the I movies. agree with that. Uh, I, I agree know. with that, but I, I agree, and again, it's a situation where they decided to play it a little bit differently and not, and, and they, they planted their own roots instead of trying to water roots that were already planted. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. So, so, so where, okay, and like you were saying, oh man, the reason why maybe some of these animated series such as the um I, I know that there was a was there ultimate spider-man that they did animated 
uh, Spider-Man Unlimited? You talking about when he was in the future? No, no, that was back in the day. That was our time. I'm yeah. talking about uh, I, like there was a there was a new animated. There was Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man that was animated. The um, CGI one for MTV. No, he's, again, this is this is our time that we're talking about. I'm talking right. about now. Like uh, yeah, yeah, there was a recent one on, on the Disney uh, XD channel. They yeah. rebooted like two years ago. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've never watched it before, but the reason why it might not feel the same is because what they're trying to do with the animated joints is just trying to carry over some of the energy that we've seen in live action. So mm-hmm. it looks like you're trying to do what you already did. Right. You know what I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That never, that never feels the same way because it, it doesn't feel original. It feels like you're playing off of something that was already there. Um, mm. That's the reason. That's one of the reasons why the DC animated movies still kind of hold up the way that they do because each time they come out with one, it's something that's on its own. It's not something. They're not, the animated movies that DC does are not based off of the live action counterparts. Mm. It, it, it's something that's contained within its own world, telling its own story, taking right. off its own spin. The mm. Spider Man that you might see on this Ultimate Spider Man TV series is clearly meant to be similar to the Spider Man that you've seen live action, or at least. This current version of it. True. I don't know which one you're talking about now. The Ultimate Spider-Man. Where he, he teams up with Deadpool, Iron Fist, yeah. Luke Cage, yeah, and all yeah. those guys. Yeah. So it might not, it might not hit the same because you've seen it. it it's hitting that vein that's already been there, but the dope mm-hmm. isn't as strong. It's just similar to the dope that <laughs> already hit that vein without being too graphic. <laughs> nah man you're telling it how it is man definitely for sure dude um yeah man i definitely could see that with the dc the dc animated films and i know we're going off here but yeah they definitely hit harder than the live action and they still hold up a lot of them still hold up pretty well to this date because they're oh, like yeah. self-contained yeah. i mean and they're we the, the marvel animated huh yeah, we won't talk. <laughs> we won't talk about those. They tried. They tried. They tried. You know what I'm saying? They tried. But yeah, the DC animated for years. They've been critically acclaimed and been championed by the you know by those who watch them because they're that damn good. Um, but in that regard, you know what I'm saying? They just uh, speaking with the Avengers films with that movie success. Captain America has now taken over the Superman logo. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Superman yes. is not number one anymore. Batman ain't no. the, the best, richest uh, character out there. It's Iron Man now, you know? Mm-hmm. Iron Man took over that rich playboy philanthropist, uh, you know what I'm saying? That rich playboy character over Batman, Bruce Wayne. Um, yep. So Marvel really, just by the movies themselves, so just really switched things turned the whole superhero genre upside down to where they're really on top and no one's even coming close uh they boxed to them. them out man boxed them out they they beat them to the punch on a lot of different things and culturally speaking i mean 
you can still rock the Superman shirt. You can still rock the Batman shirt, but it's not as held in highest regards wearing that cap or Iron Man or Thor shirt with me on there. You know what I'm saying? Like they, if they've reached a certain level where it's just, uh, uh, they're, like, they're almost like worship as gods almost. You know what I'm saying? I mean, to the certain point where they're like, I mean, superheroes are kind of like gods. They are kind of like new modern mythologies in terms of storytelling, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like Hercules and Athena and all these tales and folk tales have been replaced by superheroes in a sense, you know? Um, it really, superheroes itself really are elevated to that title of being what we aspire to be and the movies really further enhance that belief. And I don't know when this bubble is going to pop. Um, well, no, it's not. It's yeah. not because this is the thing. The issue that, that where it switched up at is that, like, at some point, <laughs> at at some point, the tide ended up turning to where these went from just being disposable entertainment to actually being legitimately great movies. Mm. That's where it shifted. That's where that was where it entirely shifted. Same as how, and I'm not a Star Wars guy, but the same way that before Star Wars, science fiction was viewed as something that was just kind of fun or something that no one took it seriously mm. in terms of a way that a story could be told and a connection that you could have the characters until Star Wars did. Right, right. And then after Star Wars did it, you got other movies within science fiction. And even though there are better, there, there are better science fiction movies than what Star Wars is. Of course right. there are. Of course. But yeah. until Star Wars got there, it wasn't something that was for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Star Wars made, like, Avengers made superhero films accessible for everyone. Star Wars made sci-fi accessible for everyone in that same regard. It did it, but it also made good movies too, though. There mm-hmm. were also movies that could placate to people who are hardcore film-type people who would view that type of movie as being disposable entertainment that doesn't have any real depth to it. The tide shifted for these superhero movies when it became known that these are actually good movies. These are not just... I mean, Martin Scorsese said something last year that pissed some people off. He he, he called them roller... He said they were roller coaster movies or like amusement <laughs> park movies. And I mean, uh-huh. I'm not going to argue that if that's his opinion, but it has to be more than that. It's definitely... Most definitely more than just that. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to argue against Martin Scorsese either. I mean, the man's a the director's, that director's a genius. He's got his own legacy. He could break down films in ways that I never right. could comprehend. So, you right. know, I don't, I, ain't, I don't got the chops to just tell him outright. Not no. at all. You know what I mean? But there is something to be said where if it was just a roller coaster kind of film, I don't think the masters are going to come back to it in swarms like they have been. I, it's not going to hit, 
you're not gonna get like it's just not gonna hit like they right. have, like they've hit it, if they were exactly. just roller coasters. Yeah. If it was a gimmick, if it was a gimmick, then it would have it would have died out long time ago. That's right. Like, the bloom the bloom would have came off of the rose a long time ago. Like exactly. We both seen we both seen enough movies that we enjoy, and then seen sequels come out. To where it's like, damn, this they 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 had something and then they fucked it up. And then once it gets to that point, it never comes back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you never get it. You never get it back to where it was before when it's overdone. And if these if these weren't actually good movies and the ideas and everything like that wasn't still presented in a way that was fresh mm-hmm. and interesting. The consumers would have been made up their minds by closing their wallets. Right, right. And I mean, I I think that even extends past uh, past the Avengers films. When you you have something like the like Joker, right? Uh, mm-hmm. One of basically the highest. Uh, how would I explain it? It's basically, it made the most money ever for a film in terms of the budget that it had. It grossed a billion dollars. It was made for underneath a hundred mil. It's the yep. it is the most profitable movie of all time, I think, still to this date. Uh even with a movie like Joker, right? If you take the name Joker off it, I don't that thing's not making a billion dollars. It's just no. it's not. You know, there's so, <laughs> it's nope. not, man. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Um, no, no, like I agree. I'm I'm disagreeing with you. Right, it's something about that that superhero aspect to it, man. Where it's just cemented. You like, you have to, you have to see it. You literally like, it's ingrained in you to see that next chapter or that next. It's almost it's like it's almost like going to church, like for worship. Yeah, you know? but, but, but the thing is, if if it's not a good product, if the shit is trash. And it's not a good product, then people wouldn't continue going back to it. Like that's mm-hmm. that's where that's that's kind of where I draw the line at right there. I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of movies and properties that had that law of diminishing returns. Right. <laughs> plenty. There's, yeah. There's plenty yeah. of them that, that had that law of diminishing returns where you've seen it so much to where you didn't want to see it again or what worked at first they tried to do it again and it didn't work the second time if these weren't actually good movies to begin with people wouldn't continue to have that anticipation for it like my opinion on this okay the joker right that movie was nominated for Best Picture last year. Joaquin Phoenix won the Academy Award for Best Actor for that performance in that movie, right? Right. But I am very skeptical that something like that could be re... I'm very skeptical that whatever magic was captured that first time around could ever be recaptured in a way that gives you that same feeling whether good or bad Mm -hmm. i feel like something like that only works the first time that you see it it only works as a standalone because there's more room for error when you're trying to recapture a certain energy 
True, true with sequels. There's always that potential of that misfire in the first time well, you got it, you know. And it depends on the subject matter. It, yeah. It, it, it comes down to the subject matter. I mean, there's a reason why nobody talks about Jaws 2 and Jaws 3. <laughs> there, there's a reason yeah. why... There's a reason why, you know, people only talk about Ghostbusters, but not too many people talk about Ghostbusters too. <laughs> <laughs> true, you know? true. The and material I, I, was done. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I know we're getting on a little bit of a tangent, but yeah, like that's that that's kind of what it is there. If there was never anything to come back to in terms of the Avengers, they would have been it would have been exposed. It's something mm-hmm. that would have got exposed. A long time ago, because the consumers would have made up their mind like, "Nah, this this ain't it, Chief." The same way that they did with the X Men. Yeah, yeah. If we would have peaked, if the genre would have peaked during Green Lantern, Spider Man three, uh, that era, then we wouldn't be having this discussion now. Um, the Avengers wouldn't have been the biggest block, but uh, biggest movie of all time. You know, like, like you said, the quality of the films, it was went like, up. It, it went up. Went up. Yep. It did. It did. It to to like you said, where you have films like Logan and Joker and Endgame and you know mm-hmm. uh, Infinity War and Black, you know mm-hmm. Black Panther, like yep. Winter Soldier. Yeah, it, you know, it just the 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 material elevated. The film quality went up so yep. high that. I think it's making other Hollywood execs uncomfortable because sure, there's that commercial success, but the quality of the films themselves are getting so high that I think there's, I think there's some some gatekeeping there where they don't want those kind of films acknowledged for what how good they are. Logan should have been nominated more for for what it it got. I'll be honest, I'm, that was a misfire, not a misfire. That was like intentional. I mean, well, you think it was intentional? I, I I don't think they were at at twenty was it twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. I don't think the awards the Academy. Uh, who the hell? Who the hell? The I guess the Academy. I don't think they were ready to quite put to quite put that superhero genre up there. You know what I'm saying? Like the Dark Knight was the first one to really poke at that wall. The first one, and they, they, I think the Dark Knight should have been up for Best Picture, and I don't, I don't think it was. Um, but I agree with you on that. You know, so and tw- by twenty eighteen, I think they could they got to the point where they couldn't refuse it anymore with Black Panther, and the way that that came through. Like I think at twenty eighteen, it was like, damn, we really can't kind of hold this back. Nope. And then it culminated when you had uh, basically you have the Joker. Going off for best picture, best actor, uh, you best know, and so director, best right. director, right, right. You 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 I couldn't hold it back anymore. Right, right. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, same way again, the same way that again, Lord of the Rings in two thousand and three was damn near a clean sweep at the Academy Awards. And yeah, it was damn near a clean sweep. Whereas in two thousand and one. Again, the only difference is that the, the time and the turnaround was quicker. It was just a quicker, it, it was a quicker turnaround, and that those movies were made back to back to back. Right. But yeah, I, I yeah I, I agree with you on that. Like, 
the the quality of the movies went up as the profile of the movies also went up. And that mm-hmm. part of it was a little bit unprecedented because you've never seen anything like that before. Normally, when the profile tends to go up, quality hits a plateau at some mm-hmm. point, and then you're kind of just putting putting it back in the microwave to see if it feels the same way. I mean, there's a lot of examples that I can point to. Men in Black is the one that jumps out at me the most. The Matrix <laughs> is another one that jumps out. Uh, yeah. Jurassic Park. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not even... Transformers? Come on, dog. <laughs> Transformers. Yeah, we. Uh, we oh, I mean, Bumble, Bumble. Like, yeah, yeah, Bumblebee kind of, kind of clean up some of the shit that they had. But yeah, uh, you're you're absolutely right, man. Uh, it's weird to have uh, your quality go up over time when it's usually on the decline, or you re microwave it, you repackage it. Sure, Jurassic World is a success. Sure, but is, is it really hitting as hard as the first movie did? Is it even no. close? No. Not even halfway there, to be honest, to be quite frank with you. The Terminator films, not even close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Alien films, not even oh, close. Shit. You know? Holy shit. It, 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 there, I mean, you, Star Wars, let's be real. Like, oh, not even close to the original hey. trilogy. In my, you know, let's let's, let's hey. keep it up. so i mean it's like you said it's unprecedented it's weird how do you have a genre where you thought it peaked and it's blowing the doors it continually you know what i'm saying gets better it continually improves we haven't seen that before i in in cinema history like and and every every other medium is affected by that right every Okay, not every, but for the most part, every network, most of the streaming platforms, one way or the other, have programming within the genre, mm-hmm. whether it be the CW. The CW, the, C, the, the only reason people are watching the CW is probably because of Riverdale and whatever it is that they're doing with their superhero TV series. <laughs> they did a damn good job. Yeah. They did a damn good job. Um, yeah, you got Netflix had what they had there. The Umbrella Academy is kind of picking up the pieces from what was left for True. the network or for the Netflix MCU. You got the, you got the boys on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, for the for the over for the twenty five and up demographic. Yeah, you had you had Watchmen on HBO that was supposed to kind of be there for the purists a little bit. But they didn't get renewed. Um, there's a lot of, um, and uh, there's other stuff that's in the works as well here. And all of that is as a result of the success of one particular property. It's like back in the day when 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 WWF blew the doors off of professional wrestling and made it a part of everybody's day to day lexicon, right? Right, wrestling was so popular to where everybody had to get a piece of it one way or the other. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that, that that that's my one wrestling 
reference for this episode. We, we yeah. got one off. That's... We got we got one off. It's, it's like mandatory. Every every recording session, we got to have some round right. wrestling for. <laughs> yeah, right. dude. Uh, yeah, everyone's trying to get a piece of the pie. Every I think uh, Amazon Prime they just uh, not just announced, but they have Invincible uh, based on um, Robert Kirkman's uh, Image comic line animated series. You got, uh, you know, you got a whole everyone trying to get a piece of that superhero pie, man, in some kind of shape or form. DC yep. doing their Titans, uh, Swamp, well, Swamp Thing got canceled, but you know, DC doing Doom Patrol. Um, you know, every streaming service has a superhero show. Everyone's trying to get that next superhero uh, pie. Whether it's if it's not Marvel or DC, they're digging into Dynamite Comics. They're digging into Image Comics. <laughs> Digging into wherever crevice that's untouched to get yep. just a small percentage of the pie because they know it's worth it. They know if they can land even one of those things, man. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the superhero. It's kind of the comic book genre itself, man. You think of Preacher. You think of The Walking Dead. Uh, yep. You know what I'm well, saying? Like, well, hold, 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 hold up right there. We'll say that for the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's because, the, because, the, because video games... Yeah, we'll say that for the next one. That's, that's for the next one, my guy. <laughs> that's for the next yeah. one. Yeah, that's yep. a full session. Yep. 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 Because I'm, I'm noticing some things, but yeah, we're we going to say that for the next one, man. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, everyone's kind of <laughs> trying to get a piece of that superhero pie. And what in 10, I don't think it's going to stop in 10 years. I think we're going to get still that. I don't think any other genre is even coming close to competing. Uh, Star Wars still makes over a billion. I think the Fast and Furious makes over a billion. Uh, Jurassic Park still makes over a billion. So besides those three, it's just Disney and Marvel just continually dominating. DC, if they can get one that's good over, you know, they'll do it every now and then. Aquaman was great for that, and Joker, but Wonder Woman. But other than that, they've been kind of flatlining uh, for a minute on that. They're just so high and low, man. It's like the DC just like they'll they'll hit the target and then they'll just completely miss it the next time. And it's like, whoa, what the hell did you fire that one from, man? Like, what were you aiming at? Like, and I'm not sure if that's because they don't have direction, like the Star Wars films, they don't have direction of where they want to go. They just keep throwing shit at the wall to try to see if it, it hits. And these guys pioneered it. I'm not sure it's a cycle. They pioneered the whole superhero genre with Batman and Superman uh, back in the day. And now they're trying to play catch up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, a whole man. other discussion you, with DC. You know? Uh, where 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 things are going, and, and there is there is some excitement, and yeah, man, it, I don't think the bubble the bubble isn't close to even being filled yet. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, most most definitely not. I mean, I think uh, with with Marvel, they're trying to diversify the next ten years with you know Shang Chi and. I think it's smart to do a different look. It's smart to try to do something that won't inherently make you do a compare and contrast of what happened before. 
because you're not going to replace Iron Man. You're not going to replace the original performances, you know? So you kind of have, you're forced to do, go off the rail a little bit and try some fresh new approaches. Otherwise, you're just going to have that, like you said, that steady decline of like, okay, this same shit, but it's not good anymore it, it ain't it ain't hitting the same yeah it ain't like, hitting the same right it, it, it's exactly and when you built up when you built up that kind of credit man like the important that's the most important thing is is building up that credit with the consumers to where they trust whatever direction you're going to take them in like i promise you i seriously doubt that back in 2008 when Iron Man premiered in theaters that they ever thought that there would be a day where you're announcing that you're remaking Blade along with a rollout for a Black Widow movie along with a rollout for the cast of an Eternals. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, where, I mean, okay, well, well, that brings me to the next discussion, man, since where do you think they actually was like, we got a 10-year plan? What uh, what film do you think it was like, oh, shit, we can kind of keep this rolling. Let's build up to this. Where do you I, think? I yeah. didn't even call it. To be honest with you, I have no idea. Because, <laughs> like, okay, between, okay, so one of my, like, I remember when I went to see the Avengers in theaters. And mm-hmm. I got hyped when I seen the Thanos teaser at the end of it. Even then, I never would have imagined that off the strength of that teaser, that everything that they did was going to lead up to what the end product was. Mm. That, that just seems insane. Yeah, right. right. I thought that they, I, I never would have thought that where that started would have ended seven years later. At what point? Do I think they figure, okay, this is something that's working and we're going we're gonna to blend all this together? I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe after the first Avengers movie. Maybe after that first one, seeing what it was that they had on screen and the reaction to it, maybe then they figure, hey, we can go on a 10-year run with this. But I have no idea. And whoever it was, that figured out that that was going to work, man, listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because, again, like I said, like, whoever would have thought that the end product to what it was they started in 2008, like, Iron Man only came out one year after Spider-Man 3. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're in line, man. Uh, The two films, there's a quite a difference i mean i know spider-man 3 gets a lot of hate i okay yeah but But yeah if if we even want to if we even want to stay on the topic like iron man came out the same summer that the dark knight came out Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah that's the same the same summer iron man came out in may and then the dark knight came out in july of that year right Mm. whoever would have thought and even even taking it deeper than that, my guy, the Avengers came out the same summer as the Dark Knight Rises. 
Mm. The Avengers came out in May again. And I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, Dark Knight might have came out either in June or July of 2012. But whoever would have thought that, (laughs) whoever would have thought that that would have happened, that takes balls for one. But now, if we look at it in terms of overall impact, whatever impact that the Dark Knight had in its moment when it came out has already been lapped two and three times. <laughs> Easy, yeah. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> it's already been lapped two or right. three times. Holy so shit, dude. For, you see what I'm saying? So yeah, that, that was a monumental moment, year. Yeah, for that moment, for that moment when that movie came out, it was a big deal. Everybody was on their why so serious shit, right? Mm-hmm. But you look at the long game, like that's not even it's not even comparable, dog. You know what right. I'm saying? And, and, and it's not even comparable. <laughs> Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan is one of them guys in, in, in Hollywood. And you see what I'm saying? Right. It's not even that shit don't even weigh the same when you put it on the scale now. Not at all, dude. Like I mean, if you're talking 2012, too, I think The Amazing Spider-Man came out that year, too, oh, that shit. summer. So, <laughs> so like you said, I mean, we see what happened with that, you know, culminated right into the MCU eventually. Because right. they couldn't deny it. They couldn't deny that success, you so, know. Um, if, there, if, if there was really somebody somewhere that figured, yes, we are going to go on a 10-year run with this, hey, Listen, man. Hey, <laughs> they got it. <laughs> they got, got it. You got to bend the knee. That's all you can do. You got to bend the knee, man. There's nothing. There, there's nothing else that you can really do other than recognize it and and get back to work. Right, because I mean, even if they had the plan, it's like if any, if two or three of those films misfire, like your whole shit's ruined almost. Yep. Yep. If you, if you have two, three stinkers in a row, that is that sets the tone for the rest of the films. And it's like, no one's going to want to see it. You know, oh, well, we failed. You know, like, I guess we'll ha- we'll pack it up, Age of Ultron, and then that's that. You know, worst case scenario. You know, but for it to just, just continually have that momentum, every single film, to get more and more, you know, like, for it to do that, man, like... I don't think it'll be replicated in history. Like, no, I don't it, think it will. It shouldn't be. It, it, there right. shouldn't. It shouldn't be attempted. Something right. like that shouldn't be attempted. The only thing that you can continue to try to, I think, try to do is is create your own thing. Like that lane. That lane might not have. We didn't even know. We didn't know that that was something that we needed. And <laughs> <laughs> until until we got it. And even again in the beginning, I didn't I, ne- I didn't see Iron Man the first one when it came out in theaters. I didn't see that. One. Mm. I caught Iron Man on DVD. Oh my god! Uh, let me stop. See, we got to see. That's a different combo. Can't even uh, do that right now. Can't uh, even do that right now. No, oh uh, no, <laughs> no. We can't even because again the Iron Man conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a whole yeah. Different, different convo. Different, different convo. convo. Right, but, right. 
long story short, I, I can't call it, man. I don't, I don't even have an answer to that. Mm. I just think that to even try to answer it, I think when, when Disney got involved and took it to that next level is when I think they knew they could get on a run. And then quietly in the background, when these rights to these characters started getting scooped up and everything like that, I think that's when it got serious. Right, right. I think, uh, hold on here, man. I think I have uh, an idea of the shift in the MCU. I think if we're going to think about it, uh, leading up to Age of Ultron, right? Mm-hmm. I think Captain America, the Winter Soldier, with the Russo okay. brothers, was that monumental shift to catalyst, to catapult the MCU into what it is now. I, I agree think with that. With Joss Whedon, what he did, Age of Ultron, he did a great job of building this thing up. But if we were going to continue down that path, if you think about Thor 2, if you think about Iron Man 3... You know what I'm saying? If you think about Age of Ultron, if we were to stay at that level, yeah, I agree. It would have then been on a downhill trend. Um, I think Winter Soldier really was like, "Holy shit!" Like this is what if, they, yeah, this is what right. they could do. This is what they can do. Right, right. I get what you're saying because that was you could put, and I mean, I'm not trying to reach or anything like that, but you really could put. If you wanted to, you could really put Winter Soldier in that category of one of the best action movies ever. Oh, yeah. Easy, dude. Like, I'm not, oh, yeah. Like, happened, Right. And it just happened to be set. Yep, I I agree with you on that. I think think you cooking cooking with that one. (laughs) Right, right. Because uh, if... They did such a great job with that. They pretty much gave him the keys for the rest of the MCU with Civil War and then directing Infinity War and then directing Endgame. They took over. And then I think Winter Soldier, the quality of that was so good that it resulted in everyone else stepping up their game. You couldn't look like shit after Winter Soldier. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'd embarrass yourself. You know, it like, you had. It wasn't enough to just have capes and colors. Right, right. You had to step your game up, otherwise your shit was gonna was gonna like yeah, look kind of pitiful. So I think with that, uh with Winter Soldier was the catalyst to make the Avengers what they are to this day, because let's be honest, we had some troubling ground in the middle. Like I know Age of Ultron was kind of like a transitional film. They had to incorporate a lot of different things in that film. It wasn't uh, Age of Ultron is kind of not even a real complete film. It's just a transition phase to me to introduce a lot of story elements to get ready for the next five plus films. I agree with that. And, you know? and I mean, for me, the sequel for me, I feel like Civil War is actually a proper sequel to the first Avengers movie. Personally, yeah. but it, it Age of Ultron was like it was like the after party. Mm-hmm. It felt like it, it was the after party to the big celebration. Right, right. I mean, oh, man, if you want to talk about how they... So without Age of Ultron, I mean, let's just talk about the setups here, right? So you had Age of Ultron. That movie introduced Vision. That movie introduced Scarlet Witch. 
that movie introduced Vibranium with Claw to lead mm-hmm. to Black Panther. Um, that movie led to the Incredible Hulk and Thor into Thor Ragnarok. Um, that movie pretty much, like, what else, man? Um, it led into Civil War. It led into Civil War, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, it, it led off to pretty much the rest of the MCU in terms of what it introduced into the storyline. Uh, the the end of, um, uh, yeah, Civil War, Baron Zemo, you know what I'm saying? With the Warcovia Accords and his family being destroyed by Ultron in there. Uh, you know, so it, it led to a whole lot of different story aspects yeah. for the next bunch. And I get and I get Joss Whedon had a lot to juggle. You know what I'm saying? He was losing creative control. He had a lot of shit to juggle with that film. He did his part, but at the end of the day, it was time for him to go. Yeah, it was, it was time for him to go. And it wasn't a bad movie. Like, right. It wasn't a bad movie. I mean, I've seen it. I think I've seen it twice. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure at some point, at some point, I'm going to go back and sit down with it. Of course, I'm going to do that. But yeah, that's not one of those, like, I'm, most people don't really go back to that one when mm-hmm. they think about these movies. And I mean, Ultron wasn't even a bad villain or anything like that. No. It's just... It's just because of what came before it, because what came before it made such an impact, and what came after it was so much better, mm-hmm. it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Oh, my goodness. See, now we're back to where we started. It gets lost in the shuffle, kind of the same that I think Days of the Future Past gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Even though, I'm going to say, Age of Ultron is still probably a better movie than Days of the Future Past, but... It gets lost in the shuffle because of what it came in between. You mm. know what I'm saying? Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I think at that point is when uh, I think probably around the it's like you said, it's crazy. You saw the Thanos cameo at the end of the Avengers, and even when I saw that, it was like there's no way they're gonna leave. You know, like okay, it's a teaser. It'll never happen. You know what I'm saying? Word? It's just like <laughs> I didn't I didn't think they were gonna do Thanos. I did not think they were gonna build up to Thanos like that. I thought it was gonna end before I thought it was just literally like fan service. Nah, but like okay, I get what you're saying. You know I just I felt like the payoff was gonna be a lot quicker. Mm. That's what I was gonna say. I, I mm. when I seen Thanos at the end of the Avengers in that teaser, I got hyped because Normally, in most movies you've seen up to that point, your post credit scene leads right into the next one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't, I wasn't aware at that point in time that the buildup was going to be delayed. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. why it caught me by surprise when the first time I actually seen Thanos was in Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's how you do it, though. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's actually building. So not only are you building up to that being the blow-off, but you're also building your universe and showing that this character is important on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> so, Dude, yeah. And, 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 and again, every everybody else tried to do the same shit. Um, 
Everybody else tried to do the same shit following that. But mm-hmm. yeah, dog, I agree with you on that. I think that uh the tide probably turned once um Winter Soldier stepped it up because you can look at that on its own as just an action movie and enjoy it. It's an action movie that just so happens to be a Captain America movie. Right, right. And I didn't feel that way about an MCU film since Iron Man, to be honest with you. The first Iron Man film. I, even though The Avengers was a great movie, um, I didn't really uh, enjoy it like Winter Soldier or Iron Man. To me, okay. it's you know, it, it's a it's a good film, but it didn't really hit for me as hard as 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 those two films. And I think it's just because I prefer I don't know, man. I just wasn't really digging the Avengers as a crew, oh, I think, man. until a certain point. I, that's just me personally. I was just not man. I didn't really fan I fanboyed when I saw, you know, the famous uh roll call in New York City when they finally unite, like that was cool and all, but that really didn't hit me hard like seeing Spider-Man swinging. You know what I'm saying? In the first Spider-Man film. Right, uh, oh, man, bro. You know? Hey, listen, man. going to go back for the stuff that matters to us we're only going to go back for the things that are highly anticipated you know so all these little things all these minor things they're not gonna grab let's let's just look at the top two movies this year was Mm -hmm. in the box office it was godzilla versus king kong and it was mortal Kombat. those two tenet didn't do it nope raya the last (laughs) dragon didn't do it (laughs) <laughs> Cruella Nothing, ain't doing it Cruella ain't gonna do it um, Nobody didn't do it uh, Who else Like A lot of these They're not gonna do it They don't matter Black Widow Black Widow's probably gonna do it Black Widow's probably well, gonna do it Well yeah and, and, and I mean It's May now I think Black Widow Is gonna stir up A little bit of interest Yeah I think Suicide Squad Is gonna get some people Out of the house But you know HBO Max. But <laughs> yeah. for the for the rest of 2021, there isn't anything on my radar that I need to go out of my way for until Spider-Man comes out. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And and this is a good segue topic here, bro. The chopping block. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the chopping block is very real, man. And you know. I just watched a movie the other day called Without Remorse on Amazon Prime mm. with uh with Michael B. Jordan. And in a lot of ways, this is like this wasn't a good movie. Without Remorse was not a good movie. That was a Tuesday TNT movie of the week type mm-hmm. action flip. But mm-hmm. the whole the, the what the the whole point of it as I'm watching it is like, okay, I'm entertained by this. This isn't the worst movie I've ever seen. I'm watching it on an app from the comfort of my home, and a legitimate movie star is in this movie. I'm only watching this movie because Michael B. Jordan is in it, right? Right. I'm watching this movie to anticipate 
the next time I see him in a legitimate project to get me out of my house. Amazon Prime, Paramount, Netflix, HBO Max, Disney Plus are all on the chopping block in terms of what they are willing to take the risk on to try to get people out of their homes into the movie theaters. You know? So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be risky business, man. Yep. As a... As, as an official podcaster, as of, you know, whenever July comes around and just the overall kind of entertainment consumer, I'm interested to see how a lot of these people progress, you know, especially as these streaming wars kind of progress and a lot of these, you know, properties kind of reach their peak. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Hmm? In, in about five to ten years, when we've already exhausted all of the licensed properties that haven't gotten that adaptation yet, then I'm going to be very interested to see what grabs our attention and gets us interested in even talking about some of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we're only two years removed from the end of Game of Thrones, and nobody talks about Game of Thrones anymore. Yeah, unless you want to talk about how bad the last season was. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's really going to turn into survival of the fittest. You know, in 20, 2011, 2012, the biggest thing before superhero genre, before the Avengers, was the young adult uh, dystopian future, right? The Hunger Games yeah. was the top of the line in terms of that. As a result of the Hunger Games, we got the Maze Runner, we got Divergent, we got a movie based on the fucking Giver that nobody read in elementary school. We got um what was the one joint with Harrison Ford, man? Oh, what was the one that? joint Harrison Ford? Yeah, man. What the fuck was it, bro? Oh, it's oh my god. That was reason no. though. It wasn't, see, it was, it, ah, man, I gotta look this shit up, bro. It was a book that was, that was very popular during our, hold on, man. Ah, bro, it's right off of the, it's right in the back <laughs> of my mind, bro. I gotta, I gotta cheat and pull up the film on <laughs> You're good, man, you're good, dog. I, I gotta, I, hold on, alright, so hold on, bro. I'm looking this shit up right now. It wasn't Blade Runner, because Blade Runner wasn't focused toward that demographic. Alright, let's see here. This movie was called Ender's Game. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ender's Game. You know, there was that time where when the Hunger Games came out, all of these movies in that genre came out because the young adult kind of, you know, demographic, right? So, when we run out of books to make movies out of, when we run out of comic books to make movies out of, what are we going to do in the future? Are we just going to remake what's popular now? Or, you know, the pressure is there. If I'm ahead of these studios, my concern would be how do we stay ahead of the curve? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, this streaming war shit is, it's, this shit's for real, man. I mean, this the whole movie industry thing is literally the difference between multimillionaires and billionaires. I mean, this is the difference between 
covering five generations after you or covering 20 generations after you. I mean, like, this this whole thing is these guys, how can they make the most money off ripping off people's IPs who can't afford to make it themselves, essentially? Um, so in 50 years, you know what I'm saying, what will be the, the thing to adapt? What will people flock to? What will what how are you going to keep your business growing and your movies and your and, and a tight grasp on pop culture if you know what i'm saying if you don't know what what's you don't have a plan you don't really see you know what's going to be in the future i mean the superhero genre for i know as many people are saying it's going to get they just netflix just released was it jupiter's ascension jupiter rising on it just literally came out yesterday we just got done with invincible season one we just got done uh with falcon and winter soldier we just about to get into loki we have another superhero they just was it melissa mccarthy just did her little uh thunder force thing like a month ago as well we have another superhero and i heard it's good but again it's another superhero genre tv series that just came out on netflix and it's getting the ratings and it's like well and we went from cowboys to the action, you know, to the <laughs> children's novels, to the young adult YA, to the superhero stuff. So what will be that next big leap of entertainment that'll carry on for the next 5, 10, 20 years, 30 years? Who knows? Who really oh, knows? Yeah. Who knows if it, the genre will even burn out by then? And, and, and bro, let's just, let's just really, like, get into another perspective here. The gangster movie genre. The American gangster movie genre is all but dead. Yeah. Comedies, too. I was talking about comedies. Just normal comedies are gone, too. Right. And I don't know. This might be a good breadcrumb for another conversation later on. But do you think that the role of social media has played a part in some of these genres that we were entertained by no longer being around, you know? I don't want to reach. I, I hope I'm not clutching at straws for what I'm trying to say here, but mm-hmm. when we got to the point where social media became more entertaining than actual entertainment, the effects of that had to be real, right? That can't just be a figment of my imagination, I hope. <laughs> I mean, when you go to the theater and people still got their phones on and they're scrolling on their phones while the movie's playing, I mean, that tells you something right there. Like, mm-hmm. And it's not taking a phone call. They're on Facebook. Like, I see it. <laughs> I see your fucking screen. Dude. You're on Facebook. Right. You're on Instagram. You're on Snapchat. Like, while the movie's playing, it's like, just go to fuck home and don't watch the movie. Right. So, yeah, bro, it, it's going to get... It's going to get very interesting as to what actually sticks because everything is getting smaller everything is getting a little bit tighter and you're limited in you're not limited in your options but at some point i don't want to say everything is going to start to look the same but yeah if we, if we got a red sonya movie that's in production right now while we already have a Wonder Woman that hasn't, you know, hasn't went on a decline yet, what do we, you know, I, I mean, 
I, I know that this is commonplace for every studio to try to plant their flag and find what they're looking for, but I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, it might not even take 50 years for it to get to that point if in 2022 we're getting another Batman movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> by next year, yeah. by next year, it will have been 10 years since The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, man. It'll, it'll have 10 been 10 years. years. Yeah. It'll have been 10 years since that point. And in between 2012 and 2022, <laughs> you know, it, it got a little bit ugly there. So I, I don't know, man. And in, in another 10 years from now, who's to say that there won't be a reboot of Iron Man that, that's considered Damn. to be that's that's considered to be a standalone to start up a new MCU? Who's to say that in 10 years Tom Holland's Spider-Man won't even be a thing anymore? And, mm. and then we're you see what I'm saying? And then yeah. we're looking in the in the recasting Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Like, I don't want to get too broad sweeping into things, but, you know, yeah, finding that next thing that sticks is going to be very interesting because that whole, that whole wave of young adult dystopian future dramas where the teenagers are the ones that represent the future, like that shit burnt out very, very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, I did. And, 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 the, and the best movie out of that genre wasn't even focused towards that demographic. But, you know, I don't want to talk about Snowpiercer right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that's its own segment. That's its own segment Wait. for sure. So yeah, so yeah, we can we can go off of the top with the with the uh, B roll here, right? Hell yeah, man! Yeah, uh, fifteen minutes. Okay, so we did a you know two video kind of series on video game adaptations of or my bad live action adaptations of video games, and we mentioned that there have been three different. Tomb Raider movies based on Laura Croft and that those movies were kind of in the middle in terms of box office and critical reception. This past week I watched Tomb Raider from 2018 starring Alicia Vikander. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. And I feel one of the more underrated actors throughout you know, television and movies. A gentleman by the name of Dominic West. Dominic Hmm. West starred as Detective Jimmy McNulty on the greatest TV show ever produced, The Wire. And he also, for people who didn't watch The Wire, please watch The Wire. Classic. He he also starred as Jigsaw in Punisher Warzone. Um, he fits more into the category kind of of a method actor per se in that 
he fits into the character that he's playing as opposed to playing the character off of a part of his personality, but digress. So with Tomb Raider, a couple of the things that jumped out to me as I was watching it, right? Mm-hmm. While the two-hour runtime of the movie was probably 20, 25 minutes too long, like the second half of that movie should have been the beginning of the movie. We didn't need to see the origin of Laura Croft prior to her going on the adventure. The main draw of the Tomb Raider video games, which if for us being 90s kids from the mid 90s to the early 2000s, Tomb Raider was the go to game to play as far as action adventure goes. It doesn't get, in terms of gameplay and just the things that you could do as a solo one-player experience, Tomb Raider was either number one, two, or three, undisputed. There's no arguing that, correct? Yeah, correct. Wouldn't be touched until the Uncharted series with Nathan Drake. Absolutely. Well, and I'd argue it wouldn't be touched until they fucked up and released tomb raider angel of darkness but that's a different conversation <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that game was ass <laughs> i remember as soon as you said oh, angel of darkness man it was like oh flashback like oh, dog, dog. tomb raider angel of darkness was ass bro but yeah i just i just had to highlight that but you know angelina jolie as far as i'm concerned she embodied the how do I put this? She embodied the video game-esque aspects of that character throughout the two movies where she played Laura Croft. Those mm-hmm. two movies, while they weren't bad, weren't anything that necessarily stuck on the scoreboard, but for the time when they came out, it was acceptable because it's like, holy shit. You got Angelina Jolie, who is still kind of young in her prime on the rise as an actress, playing arguably the most popular female video game protagonist ever, right? So Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider Cradle of Life were movies that came out during a time where you didn't expect to see those type of movies come out. I've only seen both of those movies one time. They're not the worst video game movies ever made, but aside from Angelina Jolie kind of hamming it up as Laura Croft, there isn't a whole lot to go back to. You get to see her, you get to see Angelina Jolie with the twin nine millimeters, you get to see her in the shorts, you get to see her with the strap around her leg, you get to see all of that, right? But there's right. no real substance to what it is that you're seeing because of the time that it came out and just the way that movies were made and the way that video games were perceived during that time when that movie came out. So, you know, we fast forward to 2018. And while the movie started out kind of slow and... There's a lot of cues that they took from Batman Begins. Like, there's literally a scene in the movie where 
they ripped off Batman Begins. Remember in Batman Begins when Bruce Wayne comes back from his sabbatical and like nobody knows that he's Bruce Wayne when he comes back to Wayne Enterprises? You remember that part of the movie? Yeah, I remember when he came back. It's not a secret. Anyone that's kind of up on their thing and does the knowledge the way that they should knows that they took that part of the movie from there. Like, if you work for Croft Enterprises over in the UK, you can't <laughs> pretend that you don't know who Laura Croft is, even if you haven't seen her as an adult, right? Right, right. But my only... The first thing that stuck out to me as I watched this movie is the character of Laura Croft never made it a secret that she was filthy rich. <laughs> nah. <laughs> like... So, so this movie begins with Laura Croft as a bike delivery food, you know what I'm saying, delivery person who's struggling mm. to pay her gym dues at the local MMA gym. When, you know, if you played Tomb Raider or were familiar with Tomb Raider, she was never ashamed of this abundance of wealth that she had. She used her abundance of wealth to be educated on archaeology, to be trained in martial arts, to be trained in marksmanship, to where while she was on these adventures, she was self-sufficient, to where she couldn't or didn't have to rely on a male figure to take care of her, right? Or at least that's the perception I got. How do you feel about that? No, no, I think you're spot on with that, man. And, and especially in the video games, and I guess if you want to uh, call the comics as well, uh, I think this was a move to ground her. I think this was a move to make her more relatable to the common, you know what I'm saying? I guess the right. common um, moviegoer to seal, you know, to see her appeal and right. try to make her more relatable to women, whoever would have seen this film. So while I do kind of understand and respect that, I never felt it was necessary for Laura Croft to have to be humble, right? Because at least I've never played. I okay. Let me back up here. I know for a fact that this newer version of Laura Croft that we see in Tomb Raider from 2018 is based on or inspired by the new trilogy or the most current trilogy of games published. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which apparently are pretty great action-adventure games. But for me, I never felt like Laura Croft was forced because it was never implied that she was ashamed of the wealth that she had. It was For me, it always felt like that character used the wealth that she was born into as a means to appreciate being an archaeologist. Like, I never got the vibe that her being an archaeologist was just a hobby that she got into because she was bored. Because if that was the case, she wouldn't be killing people the way that she did. <laughs> like, you wouldn't be skilled as a marksman or you wouldn't be willing to be attacked by fucking wolves and lions and alligators that looked creepy as hell on these low-resolution PS1 graphics. graphics, yeah. <laughs> Bro, oh my, like, listen, man. The jump scares and that shit. 
Oh, dog. I, I can't even put in the words. To this day, like, from watching my auntie play Tomb Raider on Sega Saturn, and rest in peace to the Sega Saturn, from watching her play that game on Sega Saturn as a 29-year-old adult male, I have no shame in admitting I'm still to this day afraid of animals, afraid of getting attacked by animals on video games from watching her play Tomb Raider, dog. But yeah. that ain't got nothing to do with <laughs> <laughs> That ain't got nothing to do with this. And I don't want to get too long-winded, but that's a fact, right? right? So you think about this character. She's using her abundance of wealth to travel to these exotic locations and find these artifacts to protect the artifacts. Her motivation is to preserve cultures that have already passed. So because of that, she's not ashamed to use the resources that she has at her disposal. In this movie, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that, but they made their best efforts to try to make her more humble. And it works in spots, and it doesn't work in some other spots, right? Okay. So I know that a criticism in modern film that makes certain people feel a type of way. And, and I'm going to use two movies, or one movie and one TV series as an example. I still haven't seen Captain Marvel. And shame on me, because we need to do a movie of the week on Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. A lot of unpacking that one, too. But my question for you is, having um, gone to the theater to see that, would you say that one of the criticisms for Edgelord Reddit and Edgelord Twitter is that the character of Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, was a little bit too angry or a little bit too edgy without having an explanation for her being as angry, as edgy as she was. Yeah, no, definitely. They, she was perceived by these guys as an angry feminist and an angry woman and I can do bad by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Alpha female for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they hated her. They and, hated and, her because, yeah, on and, and off screen, but we won't, we, won't, <laughs> we won't go too into that. And, and, and I mean, like, one of the, one of the things that stuck out to me in particular with the portrayal of Laura Croft is that that was something that I could tell was avoided. You know, the opening yeah. scene to the movie, you see Laura Croft getting beat down by an MMA fighter in an mm. MMA gym. Like, she takes the L as soon as the movie starts, right? Right. And I understand it because it looks like she's being humbled before you see her get into situations where her life is on the line. My only counter argument to that is that if there was ever a female protagonist that should be the coolest person in the room, it needs to be Laura Croft. <laughs> yeah, she's one of the coolest for a reason. It needs to be Laura Croft. Laura Croft is getting on a private jet and then being dropped off in Nepal. You know what I'm saying? And then climbs up the mountain and kills the wolves and escapes <laughs> the bear traps and kills the um mercenaries i can accept laura croft in that role because none of it 
And this is very strange because this is a character that came out of the 90s, right? And everything mm-hmm. in the not not everything, but there's a lot of media that came out of the 90s that was perceived as being very forced and unnatural. Laura Croft felt more natural than Duke Nukem. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hell to the king, baby. And I loved it. Oh, God. Oh, man. Shout out to Duke Nukem, right? Duke <laughs> right. Nukem 3D. But Laura Croft felt more natural than a lot of those 90s era protagonists because it made sense because as you played Tomb Raider you as the player were in these dangerous situations right and you had Mm -hmm. to play your way out of it when those lions attacked you when you got attacked by that pack of wolves when that big ass low resolution creepy as fuck T-Rex came out of nowhere and all you had was 245 you had to get through that situation right 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 you had to get through these puzzles without a strategy guide but not only that but you did it as laura croft and laura croft was confident enough in storyline to get you through that so to see this character go through the humbling process in this movie was a little bit different right and right. initially, I didn't like it. Initially, I felt like, all right, this is a little bit out of place. This doesn't really make sense because Laura Croft, yeah, she might get beat up or whatever, but she's not going to get presented as being helpless. There's a scene mm-hmm. during the first act of the movie where three teenagers run up on her with a switchblade and like chase her, you know what I'm saying? Chase her mm-hmm. all around like a loading dock or whatever, right? Okay. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if this was Angelina Jolie's version of Laura Croft, these three fucking punks wouldn't even have the balls to like no. engage in conversation with her, right? No, they would have been handled. And you know, like that version of the character, because she, she ends up going to Hong Kong, I believe, or somewhere in China, right? That right. version. Angelina Jolie's version of Laura Croft would have known how to speak Chinese. She wouldn't be walking around the loading dock speaking English, asking certain characters, you know, do you speak English? Or having characters speak back to her in Chinese, not knowing it, right? And initially, I'll be honest, that bothered me because, like, in my mind, I'm thinking Laura Croft probably knows 10 different languages because that's how we were presented, right? Mm-hmm. But then I kind of backtrack a little bit and I think, okay, I do know that there is a certain demographic who views movies and would probably be bothered if we were presented with the 1995 version of Laura Croft in 2018. So... Knowing that, it's okay to see her get humbled a little bit. And then, midway through the movie, you see the Tomb Raider actually show up in the movie. Hmm. The only thing that I would have liked to have seen is Laura Croft actually appear as the Tomb Raider sooner. It wasn't... I didn't like that we had to get through half of the movie before the character that we showed up to watch actually 
performed in a way to where it's like, all right, this makes sense right here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Almost like, not filler, but almost like it was a forced uh, progression, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the year 2018, Mary Sue's were questionable at that point. (laughs) Right, right. And and, and the thing is, like, I never felt like Laura Croft was a Mary Sue. I I feel wrong even saying that shit, but the internet, you know, the internet is the internet. But I don't want to get too long-winded. This was not a bad movie. If it wasn't, mm. if mm. it was, and it was not. It really wasn't a bad movie. The only thing I'll say is that if this movie was not called Tomb Raider, I think the perception of it and the way that the general public viewed it would be different. Damn, right. Because it has expectations. You follow behind Angelina Jolie mm-hmm. and, her, and her portrayal of Laura. I mean, those are some heavy shoes to fill, man. I mean, I don't know. I know there's a big time gap, but still, you right. have a high-profile actress like that, a, a, a Hollywood star, and then you hear you come as some of a, you know, somewhat of a newcomer to try to mm-hmm. give a different take on it. People already have expectations off those first two films and the right. video game trilogy. Absolutely, and 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 <laughs> and just to even go. Like one step further than that, as I'm watching this movie, the thing that kind of jumps out to me is that okay, and not to make a parallel between these movies because okay, you've seen you went to the theater to watch the 2017 version of Power Rangers, correct? Yep, I did. Now, how long throughout that two hour and 10 minute film? Did it take for the Power Rangers to actually show up? Uh, last thirty minutes till they show right. up. Yeah. Right, right. So the part of it that just kind of made me feel a certain type of way is I know what I'm watching. I'm watching a movie that's called Tomb Raider, but you're only giving me thirty minutes of the actual Tomb Raider. You know, <clears throat> there's a there's a scene at the end of the movie that pays a little bit of fan service. Throughout this movie, I can honestly point out to you, let's see here. I'll say two legitimate moments that pay homage to the original Tomb Raider. There's one, like, establishing shot scene of Croft Manor that is exactly the same as it was in Tomb Raider 2 with the mansion in the grass uh, mazes out in the front. But that's, okay. a, that's, a, that's a three second establishing shot. Anyone who played Tomb Raider 2 on PlayStation 1 knows what I'm talking about with the grass maze and the mansion, right? I would have right. loved to have seen at least one scene in that movie where the butler gets locked in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody who played Tomb Raider 2 during that, um, tutorial level of the game locked the butler in the freezer because that creepy motherfucker followed you everywhere right right but right i mean yeah while it would have been lame and cheesy it at least would have let me know that this is still tomb raider but they didn't do that right mm. and at the end of the movie at the very end of the movie you get to see laura croft with the two twin nine millimeter pistols damn and did she put the shades on? She put the sunglasses on or not? No. 
she didn't put the sunglasses on? No. No people's eyebrow. None of that. None of that. No shorts with the boots, hiking boots. No. I mean, but I mean, look. I mean, but okay. But throughout the movie, like Laura Croft gets her ass whooped. <laughs> I'm saying there are multiple <laughs> moments where her life is on the line and you know I'm not going to say that you feel the suspense but it's just a, it's a stark contrast between this self-assured type of character that you play in the video games where yes she's in dangerous situations but she knows that she's able to get through those situations right if, if right. Laura Croft was taking an L in Tomb Raider, it's because the situation overwhelmed her, not because of ineptitude or because they because of a lack of knowing what it is that she's doing, right? Like Damn. I would right. never think that the character of Laura Croft would be backed down by anybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but mm-hmm. digress. I'm gonna say that Tomb Raider 2018 was not a bad movie. If it wasn't called Tomb Raider, the perception of it would be very different. That's what I mm. think. And if this current, and I, you know, I did a little research on it. If this current situation that we're in right now wasn't actually happening, Tomb Raider 2 already probably would have had promo and either would have been coming out next year or sometime this year. Damn. This movie. This movie was good enough to make me want to see what they could do going forward, but it didn't do enough for me to make me confident that they could capture the essence of what Tomb Raider actually was. Like, before I wrap this up, the last thing I want to say, the Tomb Raider video games up until Angel of Darkness were treading that fine line between realistic action adventure and supernatural but kind of cheesy storytelling that we became accustomed to through like indiana jones right right Mm -hmm. you got none of those elements in this 2018 version of tomb raider you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the original Tomb Raider game had you fighting guys with machine guns, but there was also uh, velociraptors that could pop out on your ass out from around the corner. Right, you know or mummies, or yeah, ancient <laughs> guys revived, or some shit like that. <laughs> Legend of the Hidden Temple type shit. Yeah, <laughs> Legend of the Hidden Temple. Oh, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like, None of those elements were there, and I feel like, while, yes, suspension and disbelief is something that matters, we could have benefited a little bit more from that type of campy kind of, you know, Army of Darkness, Indiana mm. Jones, money, Mummy Returns type of element to make this movie a little bit more enjoyable. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's cool. If I can get, if I can see Laura Croft with a bloody nose and all of that, you know, doing MMA moves and guillotine chokes and all of that, but at the same time, like balance, let me balance that out with some shit that is kind of fun here. 
know what I mean? Right. Where's the smirk? Where's the cocky confidence where she right. knows she's got it? You know what I'm saying? A little bit of style to it, too, where she slowly progresses into that Laura Croft. I mean, there was a smidgen of it, right? Was there a little bit of that spark or like, okay, yeah, this is this is the Laura Croft, but damn it, now I got to get in the second movie. Or was it still right. kind of like borderline, not there well, yet? We didn't get that until the final scene of the movie. Okay. Like, so that means that we had to sit through two hours of exposition and kind of like stock characters that you see in every other movie and every other TV show before we actually got to see the Tomb Raider. You know? <laughs> like, Jeez, man. Okay. Sounds like overcorrection yeah, a little bit. Exactly. Imagine watching an Indiana Jones movie where he doesn't get the hat and the whip until the closing scene of the movie. Well, you know, that's not Indiana Jones. <laughs> that's, yeah, man. That's, you know, imagine, imagine a Power Rangers movie where you sit through and 90 minutes of high school drama and bullshit that has nothing to do with, you know, anything that you came into the movie expecting. And Krispy Kreme donuts. And Krispy Kreme donuts. And then during the last 20 minutes of the movie, oh yeah, this is Power Rangers. So let's get Megazord and a transformation and Rita Repulsa taking a bite out of a Krispy Kreme donut. And, and and tease you for a second movie where you'll get to see them more from the beginning. Like that one was in Power Rangers. No. You see what I'm saying? And right. I don't wanna I don't wanna be one of those guys that's saying that's not my Batman. Mm-hmm. But in terms of these video game adaptations going live action, the studios can't go forward with this type of content and be embarrassed that it's based on a video game. Yep. It's almost like it took itself too seriously in an attempt to take itself, like to be so it wouldn't be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And whenever that happens, whenever you got some of these remakes or reboots and it strays way too far from the grain and it's almost completely something else different than what it's based on, then you're almost, you, you, you basically overcorrected yourself in your theme and your motif and you shouldn't even call it what it was. But Oh, man. You know, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's too much facts right there. <laughs> uh, you, you, this is just a Power Ranger fan who had to set, sit and watch through that bullshit of a Power Ranger movie that shouldn't even been called Power Rangers, should have been branded as something else. But <laughs> it is what it is. But I, I, right. I definitely feel a little bit of that with Tomb Raider. But I feel like from what you described about it, it kind of still kept a little bit of that Tomb Raider aspect of it. And maybe it's because we never played the recent games. Maybe they were honing in more so on that than the original two that Angelina Jolie did. So it's 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 definitely different than your Captain Marvel or your Ray Skywalker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the, that perfectly you know perfect Mary Sue who knows all the languages, who kicks ass, is super confident, and is masculine. It doesn't take any else out of the whole film. It almost seems like they just want to do, like, this wasn't even Laura Croft. Like, this was just homegirl who graduated college and was struggling, you know what I'm saying, and became, like, an archaeologist explorer. Oh, like, there's a scene in the movie where 
she finds her long lost father, right? Richard Cross. Mm -hmm. And okay. Lord Richard Cross, when he sees his daughter, thinks that he's hallucinating. And one of the questions that he asks her or asks of her is hashtag blame the liquor. <laughs> but one, one of the questions posed to her is, did you graduate from Oxford or Cambridge? And she tells him neither. What? Hey, come on. Yeah. Neither. Neither. Oxford. Did you graduate from Oxford or Cambridge? Well, father, let me explain something. I mean, come on, man. Like, part of the appeal of the character of Laura Croft is that you knew she was a highly educated, attractive, deadly woman who could hold her own in these situations, but also mm -hmm. understand that being in these situations was fun, but she still stood for something. Like, I know this is going to be a contradiction of a lot of the things that we said here, but for me, the character of Laura Croft was... I never got edgelord douchey vibes off of her. You know what I'm saying? One no. of the rare one of the rare characters who was capable of doing the things she was capable of doing that never felt forced. No, nah, man. I, I agree. And I think with Hollywood and the way they produce these movies and the way they have these characters presented now, I think it's almost to the point where before we looked up to them and we wanted to be them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? Live, live, live as them vicariously, but now they're almost making them too relatable, too grounded, too <laughs> like anyone can do it, including you. You could be in this movie. You could be in this role. You <laughs> are your craft. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> hey, hey, that's a haymaker right there. No, that's that's facts. And 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 I mean, there's a fine line because I do think. The performance by the actress Alicia Vikander, she definitely made Laura Croft likable in a way that you do want to see her succeed. Like, she's not doing the things that she's doing in this movie or in this film in spite of the viewing audience. I never mm -hmm. feel that way to begin with, but... I, I mean, I will say that that character and that portrayal of the character was definitely endearing. But there's no reason to be ashamed of inheriting an abundance of wealth. But if and when we do get a sequel to this movie, which I hope that we eventually do end up getting, I'll definitely be interested. And at some point in time, I'm going to circle the wagon and figure out a way to be able to see this movie. Like, share, and subscribe to Behind the Scenes Podcast.